Live from the headquarters of Ramsey Solutions, broadcasting from the pods, moving, and storage studios. It's the Ramsey Show, where we help people build wealth, do work that they love, and create actual amazing relationships. Open phones here as we talk about your life and your money. Ken Coleman, Ramsey personality, number one best-selling author of the book From Paycheck to Purpose and Proximity Principle, two number ones. Uh, is my co-host today. And so if you want to talk careers and jobs and work, he's your guy. The phone number is 888-825-5225. So, Ken, uh, last time you and I were on here was probably four weeks ago, something like that, or was that last week? It was we last took, week. It was last week. It's we good to that know call. that I'm that memorable, Dave. Well, I'm just I, – I took a, I took a long <laughs> – va- I took a three-week vacation. I'm trying to remember before or after vacation. So BV, yeah. BV or AV. That's right. right. So um, – Anyway, we took a call yes. from a lady who was worried about her husband going on strike. That's right. And as we dug further into the call, uh, he was working for UPS. We both uh, assured her that she was going to be fine. Yes. That they were not going to go on strike. That that um, there was a threat of that, but that the uh, union and UPS would come to terms. Uh, my uh, reasoning for being so sure about that was that UPS cannot afford to be offline because FedEx will take all their business. And so they're going to do a deal. That's what I, that's what I said. Yep. And you had other information about it. Yeah. And you said what? I, don't I, I said that uh, if, if they were to go on strike, I thought that it would be very, very brief and that their uh, fund, each major union like that, has a fund that is set aside, essentially a rainy day fund, to pay their members because unions would lose all power if in striking uh, they hurt their actual members. So I said, I think you've got enough money set aside for about three months, I believe is what I saw in the news. And so I assured her that I think you're going to be fine. I don't think it'll go anywhere near that long. And then I said, it's like the people in the news that try to scare us about the federal debt ceiling. And I don't care if it's Republicans in power or Dems in power. Every time this happens, they always get together at the last minute We're and keep raising the, the debt. Down. Yeah, and, and that, they're, no, you're not. They're never going to do that. So no, it's not. don't be scared. There's no reason to be no, scared. And by the way, it settled yesterday. Boy, the crowd wolf. Yeah. But so yeah. But the you're right. UPS settled yesterday, and the reason we bring this up is we were both right. <laughs> That's right. It's rare. <laughs> We've both been married a long time, so folks, we needed a moment to gloat. <laughs> no way. We get to do it here on the air, but maybe not at home. Not yeah. at home at all. We were right. Yeah. We were right. That's right. We were right. Yeah. So uh, there's a lot of basic common sense observation that leads to that. But yeah, absolutely. All right. Victoria is starting today off in Colorado Springs. Hi, Victoria. How are you? Hi, great. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking my call. Sure. What's up? I just had a question. Uh, My husband and I are 32 and 31. We have four young kids with a fifth on the way. Um, We became debt-free thanks to your teaching four years ago. Um, And I'm wondering how you recommend we talk to my in-laws about their plans for retirement. Uh, How long have you been married? So. (laughs) <laughs> we've been married uh, 10 years. And I know as a daughter-in-law, that's not my – my husband's going to take the lead on that. Um, no, he's going to do it. Call. He's not going to take yeah, the lead yeah. on it. You're not saying a word. Okay. <laughs> not if you want this to go well. I mean – No, yeah, no, no, no. I'm just making this call on behalf of him. He's at work right now. Okay. All right. And why is he concerned about their retirement? Um. So they're both 60. It's my mother – my husband's mom and his stepdad Mm -hmm. um they've always struggled financially and have nothing saved for retirement Mm 
Um, and at this point, we're concerned that we're the backup plan. Why are you the backup plan? Um, <laughs> there have been some red flags over the years. Um, my mother-in-law choosing not to work for a year um, because she felt she deserved a break. Um, so she was living on unemployment. No, but why does that make you the backup plan? Um, so my husband is better off than um, his siblings. Um, now, but why does that make you the backup plan? <laughs> um, we're afraid that we are. So we need to, we need to talk. But why? About what what we're sure. getting at is, have they said to yeah. you all, have they intimated or come right out and said, hey, we're planning to live with you guys? Or is this just a fear? Um, no, um, it's, there's just a general um, sense of entitlement there. Um, and might I suggest that your husband feels obligated that you guys think you're the backup plan because he is planning to do it if they don't get it figured out and that's an unnecessary obligation. Is that possible? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. You don't like that your mother-in-law is lazy and you don't want to take care of her. Yeah, that's a concern. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) I, I got that. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Um, but the, uh, yeah. um, so yeah, I think I, for sure, uh, for sure. He, if anybody talks to him at all, it needs to be him, but he needs to have a real clear, uh, idea of what, what his goal is with his conversation. Uh, if he thinks mm-hmm. one conversation is going to cause them to suddenly become diligent savers, I, mm-hmm. I think that conversation is going to fail. If he's mm-hmm. just trying to discover where they stand so he can decide and you can decide what level you want to participate in their help later, then you probably could get that going. But, or if he wants to establish a boundary, he could probably get that done and say, you know, mom and dad, um, just want y'all to know, uh, we're not your backup plan. And you can say that a lot of different ways, but he can deliver that message. That's an okay conversation that could be successful moderately probably not going to work real well, but you could try it. And at least that's a, a, a something a single conversation could accomplish is just letting them know, you know, we're, we're, we will be your cheerleaders and I'll coach you and help you on handling your money, but we're not going to be the ones taking care of you. So we need to go ahead and establish that. And given that, if how can I help you guys or would you let me help you uh, with some mm-hmm. input and, you know, help you dial in your plan a little bit and, you know, just be of assistance. But they're not asking for help of any kind. Uh, they're right. not asking for instruction, and they're not asking for money right now. So, um, you know, you, you you might be able to establish a boundary or beginning establish a boundary. You might be able to get the some encouragement and some coaching involved. That would be nice. That would be a wonderful thing for a son to do for his parents, for his mom and stepdad. Um, but, uh, but you're not going to have a single conversation that solves her, uh, two decade pattern of not liking to work much. That single conversation isn't going to do that. That's correct. And I uh, say, so you're going to be disappointed because there's not, there's not it, it, multiple conversations coming from her son are not going to make her go to work. Okay. That was her dad that had to do that one. And that we're way past that. That ship has sailed. So, um, and, and always keep in mind, uh, folk, when you're talking to your mom and dad, uh, you are facing the powdered butt syndrome. Once someone has powdered your butt, they don't really want your opinion about money or sex. No input help. No input's helpful there. So um, 
And a lot of people's parents never talked about sex and never talked about money, and everybody was surprised later when they found out they had both. This is The Ramsey Show. Hey guys, it's Rachel. You've heard me talk about Christian Healthcare Ministries, a health cost-sharing ministry. But I want you to hear from one of their members. Abby racked up a lot of doctor bills with a recent pregnancy, but she said CHM shared all of her eligible pregnancy-related medical expenses and their staff was consistently attentive, helpful, and considerate. That's Abby's CHM story, and it could be yours. Learn more and join chministries.org slash budget. That's chministries.org slash budget. Our question of the day is sponsored by Neighborly, your hub for home services. After fires or floods, their rainbow restoration pros offer homeowners trusted, full-service restoration expertise like mold remediation, carpet cleaning, odor removal, and more. Visit Neighborly.com today to find rainbow restoration services in your area. Today's question comes from Allen in Pennsylvania. Some legislators in my state are introducing a bill to do a study on universal basic income. At this point, it's just a proposal to do a study, but I was curious what your thoughts are on the government providing low-income people with a monthly stipend. I know other parts of the world have introduced forms of it to varying degrees of success. Uh, Okay, I'm not a fan of any type of universal basic income for a variety of reasons. I'm going to try to keep this short. Uh, First and foremost, it does not create incentive. It does not allow someone to see the value of showing up and putting in some work. And we know from human behavior, and we saw this in the United States, it's why we're in the inflationary period that we're in. When we give out more money and unemployment benefits were increased and extended, people spent the money. People don't save the money. People need dignity of work to get up, go do something, get paid, and watch themselves continue to make progress. And the argument for people that are pro-stipend, and I'm seeing this all over the place, in the United States being tested in multiple cities right now, and it is a social entitlement. And entitlement, if you look at the word in the dictionary, unless you do it on your own, it does not create incentive. It actually de-incentivizes people, and uh, they end up misusing it. So I, for that reason, I'm not a fan of it at all. It's also a slippery slope to a universal income across the board, which we see in socialistic countries like Venezuela, Cuba, and more. Go do your homework on how that has worked out. Yeah. Generally speaking, if you study history, communism has failed. For the little man to get ahead, capitalism and its current form today is not perfect, but it is by far in human history, all of human history, at this moment in time in the United States of America, the little man has a better chance of getting ahead and becoming somebody than he has in any other government situation in any other economic system in human history. Uh, This is straight out of the Karl Marx playbook. Uh, this is not out of the Adam Smith playbook. Let me help you with that. Karl Marx, father of communism. Adam Smith wrote the tome that we were all required to read on capitalism if we took economics. So my friend Art Laffer, one of the leading e- economists in the world, says that if you pay people to not work, please expect them to not work. <laughs> it's pretty deep. Yeah, it's deep. And, true. and here's the thing. So if, if I thought 
with my 40 years plus in the financial world, that this was helpful to people, I would be for it, even though I am a staunch capitalist. Just set me on fire and I burn capitalism. I mean, it does. I believe in it to the core of my being. And if you don't like that, that's okay. Go start your own show. This is mine. And so uh, uh, this is what we do. And so if I honestly thought that if you were struggling financially, if you came up in a, a family in a socioeconomic setting on a lower rung of the ladder, your best shot at life of having a high quality life was a universal income, I would say go for it. But I don't think it is. As a matter of fact, my, all of my experience and all of the data we have at Ramsey indicates that your best quality of life is when your character is increased with grit, discipline, calluses, the ability to overcome obstacles gives you much more joy than the dull hum of communism. It puts you to sleep. And if the welfare system worked, people would be sprinting out of these government-funded ghettos into a wonderful life, and instead they've set up camp there generationally. And it's not good for you. It's, it's not you're, you have no compassion. I have, I have more compassion than you do if you believe in this crap because it's not good for you. It's not good for someone. So I always think, you know, the people that think capitalism doesn't work are the ones that grew up here and were trained by a tenured professor who believes in uh, oxy, who believes in Karl Marx more than he does Adam Smith. And they were taught by some idiot college professor that this stuff actually works. Well, it works in Sweden. Let's just keep in mind here. Sweden, the entire population of Sweden, the entire gross domestic product output of Sweden is way smaller than Dallas. Okay, so you can't really extrapolate that ty- that size of an economy to the size of an economy like ours and say something works. So that's just bonehead, asinine analysis okay so you just that that's just crap now what does work is this incentive what does work is a belief Mm -hmm. that if i leave the cave kill something and drag it home i get to keep it and the government won't take it from me that i had a young guy working for us remember when social media first started many years ago and we're all start we learned this new term seo yeah and he was a young tech guy and uh, he was from Czechoslovakia, and he had this fabulous American accent, but with that Slavic accent, right? Or American, he spoke English, but with that Slavic accent. I wish I could do it. Hillbilly Slavic would be awesome, but I can't do it. <laughs> so anyway, Milan was his name. And Milan left to go get his master's degree. He was 25 years old, went to go get, he, he, he lo- I love Ramsey, I love Ramsey, but I'm going to go get my master's degree. That's my best, my best imitation. It's yeah, not very pretty good. good. Yeah. Pretty good. And he, 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 I said, how are you going to pay for it? I don't know, but I'm going to figure it out. This is America. Yeah. So he goes, the, 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 the cost of the master's degree for the first uh, semester was $4,000. He goes to a garage sale three days after he quit here. And the guy at the garage sale was a Nike salesman. And he had a whole garage full of last year's Nike's shoes samples that he used to go to the stores to make the sale, used to go to the vendors to make the sales. 
So Milan buys the entire garage of last year's Nikes for $15. He said, my whole back seat was full. My whole trunk was full. I filled up the passenger side. Love that. He goes, I put them on eBay. Mm -hmm. He said, Dave, in 48 hours, I got the money to go to school. What a country. What a country. (laughs) You don't get that with a universal stupid butt communism stipend yeah that's you true. don't get that right you know you got you know the, the number of people nowadays going to garage sales buying used clothing for 10 cents selling it on ebay for a buck 60 and making ten thousand dollars a month doing this in mass is unbelievable the first guy that ever made a million dollars on ebay was buying used golf clubs from yeah. people that gave up on their horrible golf game yeah polished them up flipped them on ebay yeah you don't get that no. if you're sitting on your welfare check. Here's one for you. I interviewed a couple recently on my show who are now making over a million dollars a year on their YouTube channel teaching people how they were successful at flea market flipping. So they they were making about 300 grand a year just on flea market flipping. Then they started making videos of how they do it, and now they're making over a million dollars. That is individualism, which, by the way, is the opposite of communism, community, communal is the root word and they twist it america works because it allows people the freedom to be who they want to be i know a guy that was so stupid that he filed bankruptcy because he was so bad at handling money and he's made millions of dollars teaching people to live on less than they make yeah right (laughs) that's right yeah what a country oh my gosh I can't wait for the video that people are going to cut up of you with this new accent. I think it's going to be huge. It's horrible. It's a horrible accent. I wish it was good because it it's was not so bad. powerful. It's not bad. Uh, you can't detect any East Tennessee in that at all. No Middle Tennessee. No Tennessee anywhere. Hillbilly there. Slavic. There just it leave is. it at that. All right, it's a whole new It's a whole new dialect. I just invented it today. I'll probably make money on that, too. What a country. Yeah. This is The Ramsey Show. Hey, listen up. When we invest, most of us have no idea where our money is going. But the reality is your investments could be funding social and cultural causes that you would never choose to support. With Timothy Plan, you can avoid putting your hard-earned money into things you don't approve of and invest in companies that line up with your values. With Timothy Plan's pro-life, pro-family filter, you can invest with moral responsibility while going after competitive returns. So while it's still true that you can't serve God and money, you can make your money serve your values. Contact your financial advisor today to see if Timothy Plan is right for you. Visit timothyplan.com for more information. Investing includes risk, including possible loss of principal. Before investing, carefully consider a fund's investment objective, risks, charges, and expenses contained in the prospectus available at timothyplan.com. Read carefully before investing. Mutual funds distributed by Timothy Partners, LTD, and ETFs distributed by Foresight Fund Services, LSE. Ken Coleman, Ramsey personality, is my co-host today. Marcy is with us. Marcy is in Oklahoma City. Hi, Marcy. How are you? Hi, Dave. I'm doing good. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. What's up? So um, I was calling to ask about um, life insurance. Now, my husband and I have been married for 15 years, and he is 50 years old, and I'm 36. But we haven't um, really discussed life insurance, see what kinds of policies or for how much, uh, just to protect us for the future uh, and to protect our assets. 
Okay. Well, a good rule of thumb is, and we can start with that, and then we'll back into your particular situation, is a 15 to a 20-year level term insurance policy that is about 10 to 12 times his income on him, 10 to 12 times your income on you. That will replace the income that is lost. Uh, so if you make $50,000 a year, that'd be 500 to 600000 If he dies, you put 600000 in an investment. If it makes 10%, that's 60000 He was making fifty. You, you, you've replaced his income. So that's the baseline for, for discussing this, okay? Um, okay? Then we put you on the baby steps plan, and we get you out of debt, and then we start saving for retirement. So as your retirement increases and your debt decreases and your kids grow up, your need for life insurance begins to go away. So, okay. for instance, I have yeah, no debt. Can, several hundred. Um, I have no debt. Several hundred million dollars in real estate, um, and my kids are all grown and gone and self sufficient. So, if I die without any life insurance, Miss Sharon's going to be just fine. So, I have become right, self insured by building wealth and staying out of debt. We've been able to. Um, we don't have any debt. Good. And we have been able to build our um, our wealth up. He makes about what? How much nest egg do you have? Um, we have a portfolio that is about, um, 800, depending on the, yeah. uh, and what economy. does he make? We have, he makes about 150,000 a year. Okay. And do you have any children? Uh, he has one son, but his son's older. Okay. But the two of you have no children. No. Okay. And do you, do you earn an income? I don't. I stay at home. Okay, cool. All right. All right. So if you want um, to replace his 150,000, let's pretend his 800 would create 80 leaves a deficit of 70. Okay. Okay, 10 times that would be 700,000. Okay. All right. And uh the faster your is your home paid off? Yeah, our home's paid off. What's and it worth? We don't have any. It's worth 260. You stay in it if he dies. Um, nope. Okay. No, because I'd probably want to move home. Okay. Yeah. Okay. The hesitation told me. Yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. Yeah. And if yeah. you moved home, if you spent less than two sixty, that'd give you more to live on. So you're probably okay. Cause the truthful okay. story is, I mean, without any insurance, the truthful story is if he passes away, it'd be horrible and tragic. Yeah. Uh, but you're going to have 800,000 plus 260 from the sale of a house. You're going to be a millionaire. Matter of fact, you're millionaires now. Okay. Okay. And so okay. you, and you're 36 years old. You're probably going to go have a, a, a life after this that probably involves yeah. creating some income. Right. So you're, you're, you know, you're probably self-insured in actuality today, but if you wanted to shore it up and put a half million on him, that'd be fine. Okay. You're not creating an income. If you pass away, he doesn't need to replace the income that you're creating since there isn't any. So we don't need to insure you. And you're not playing Mary Poppins to three kids that he's got to hire people to take care of if he to keep working if you pass away. So, again, we don't need to insure you at all. He's just a millionaire if you passed away. Okay. Making 150 yeah, a year. 
And again, okay. what we're re- reducing a very tragic, horrible, heart-wrenching situation to a series of math numbers, so that's pretty dead gum cold, but that's the way it works out, right? Well, um, just to make sure that, you know, we're both protected or... You're um, protected. You got 800 you know. grand. Okay. I mean, that's pretty. That's a lot of protection. And the truth is, okay. in, in seven years... If that is invested in good mutual funds, that 800 will be 1.6. So you don't need a 15-year. What I would do if you really just want super safeties, I pick up a half a million on him on a five-year policy. Won't cost that much if he's healthy. If he's not fat and he doesn't smoke, that won't cost no, much. No, he's very healthy. Okay, that won't cost a lot yeah. then at 50. Okay. I mean, I can okay. buy it at 62. I, I'm slightly overweight, but I still qualify and I, and I don't smoke. So these are the two things that kill you on life insurance, no pun intended. And so, um, but yeah, if he does that, you pick up a half million five-year policy, go to Xander Insurance and price that out. And that you know probably won't cost you much. And it'll give you a little peace of mind. But when you look up five years from now, don't renew that stupid policy because you're going to be worth $2 million, $2.5 million at that point. And if he dies, you're going to be just fine, just like Miss Sharon is. And by the way, okay. she has completely planned for me to die first, Ken. Yeah. Yeah. I don't understand how our estate plan is sure that I am dying first. But uh, she's in much better shape than I am. She but is. But I think it's an evil plot. You think so? I think it could be. I think she has a hunch. I understand. I don't know. Is she going to travel the world? I sus- she's a very social person. She I suspect will be. we'll never see her again. She will, she'll be the one of those old women that lives on a cruise ship. I think so. Yeah. She's very social. Walking. Walking very fast. Active. Walking fast around the cruise ship. <laughs> she yes. will. That's her. That'll be her. <laughs> With some of her friends. Oh, and she, yeah. And, and if they weren't her friend before the walk, after the walk, they're her friend. Yeah. So there you go. True. It's My true. friend. My friend. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think that's probably what's the way this is going to go down. So apparently our entire state plan is planned around that. So If I'm, I was a betting man, I would probably put the chips on Sharon. 75% of the ladies' uh, husbands are the ladies outlive their husbands. Yeah. Statistically, yeah. for whatever reason. Yeah. But I, I really think it's an evil plot. I'm I'm not sure. <laughs> Ryan is in Minnesota. Hey, Ryan, what's up? Hey, Dave. Hey, Ken. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. How can we help? So um, I was just calling a question mostly for Mr. Coleman here. Um, so I've read uh, Proximity Principle, Paycheck to Purpose, did the click, Get Clear Assessment, and uh, kind of was positioning myself for um, kind of the next step in my role, which I've been in for nine years. Uh, that role would just more so be a supervisory position. Um, my company, uh, you know, ha- is is splitting off, and some of the supervisory positions were going to become available. And as the split off has happened, time came for the um, uh, positions to be uh, fulfilled. And instead of interviews, they did appointments, and I was not one of those. So, kind of my question is. Um, just kind of where, you know, your, your fantastic, uh, books have taught leading me towards is I like project management and kind of more teaching. So do I stick with the company, wait for another opportunity, or do I pursue kind of project management certificates or MBA with that in cash, of course? Uh, well, I would stay, if you're pursuing project management, I'd stay in your current company and you're going to get that certification and training on the side. You don't need to go to school to get a project management degree. There are some very, very clear skills and you can get certifications. In fact, we have a course at Ramsey uh, led by me and our chief technology officer, Brendan Wojko, that a lot of people have taken and used 
uh, to get hired. So in that case, I would stay put if I'm going the project management route. I would not pursue the MBA unless the MBA was something that was required by a certain company or a particular type of a job in an industry where it may not be said that it's required, but it's pretty much uh, a cultural thing that you've got to do. Other than that, my friend, you know where you want to go. I think you wanted to be in leadership. You certainly like the instruction side of leadership, it sounds like, with the teaching side of things. Uh, but I'd stay put, get qualified while I'm where I am, look for an opportunity, and then move on. Uh, but I'd stay put. I wouldn't go to school. This is The Ramsey Show. Ken Coleman, Ramsey personality, is my co-host today. Thank you for joining us. Open phones at 888-825-5225. Jessica is in San Francisco. Hi, Jessica. How are you? Hi, sir. How are you? Better than I deserve. What's up? I have a question for you. I'm a net worth millionaire. Good for you. And um, Thank you. I would like to retire early, and I'm not sure if I'm funneling my money correctly into the IRA versus the brokerage um, because I've been paying down the house aggressively. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd like to get your input on how I can channel that money to retire around the age of 55. Okay. So let me get under the motivation for just a second, uh, because it does enter into the answer. Um, when I hear retire early, uh, it can mean one of two things. It could mean I want to be wealthy enough to retire early, uh, or it could mean I hate my job and that's the soonest I can see a way to get out. Absolutely love my job. I'm not sure if I'm mentally able to retire early because I love my job. Um, but okay. I want to have the option. There we go. To yeah. work okay. So instead of retire early, I want to be able to, uh, I want to be able, I want to be uh, more financially independent than I am now and keep may keep Correct. doing what I love. Cause that's my case. Okay. I don't I haven't needed to work for a long, long time financially, but I work because I love what I do. I'm having a blast. I had to run me out of here with a stick. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So anyway, uh, and I, I just like winning and we win a lot at Ramsey. So that's fun too. Uh, all right. So if you want to have access to enough income that is not penalized, you're going to have to have what we always call bridge accounts, accounts that are not in retirement accounts to be able to access them before 59 and a half a large portion of your wealth. But I, I would think getting your home paid off, particularly in the San Francisco market would be a big part of this as well. And so how much you said your net worth millionaire, give me a little breakdown on that. What, how's that categorized? Um, my net worth is just under about 1.7. Okay. My mortgage is currently 160 mm-hmm. left. And your house is um, worth what? IRA. About 1.5. Okay. So the house is almost paid off. Good. Almost. And uh, uh, how much is it? And so that that's uh, 1.4 of the 1.7, right? So you got 300K in retirement? I have about 174 in IRAs. 74 is in a Roth. The rest is in traditional brokerage. I have about 152 
yeah. savings. I have about 45. I want to throw a chunk of that. And your household, in, your income must be ridiculous. What is it? Uh, it's anywhere between 185 to 200. Really? You have, you, you have piled up some. Oh, you got this huge equity in this house, but you've done a great job. Did you inherit any? Did you inherit this house? I inherited about five hundred thousand, which helped with the down payment. Okay, all right, that 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 explains it. Okay, well, you're doing extremely well. I was I was kind of waiting on seven hundred thousand dollar income with these numbers, but the inheritance offsets that, so I get it. Okay, good. You're doing a great job. You're doing a great job. So you're at baby step, what we call four, five, six, and I'd be putting fifteen percent of my income away into retirement. If you want to put some of that in uh, brokerage, meaning in mutual funds, but not in retirement, uh, that's okay. But 15% of your income needs to go towards mutual funds, some in retirement accounts, some in, uh, and everything else goes towards the house till the house is paid off. Once the house is paid off, I'm going to put 15% into retirement and any other money I can scrape together over into bridge. And you're going to be just fine. You're going to have plenty of money. What I'm doing now is seventeen hundred into a Roth IRA and then five hundred into brokerage. I don't know if that sets me up in the right place. No, you gotta do more than that. Yeah, you make you make you more make hundred and eighty five grand. Fifteen percent is thirty thousand dollars a year. That's uh well no, that's probably pretty close. Twenty five hundred bucks a month is what we're dealing with. So um put more into the brokerage. Yeah. Put like three hundred more into the brokerage. That's fine. So, yeah, something like that. And then, and then make sure you're just any other money you can scrape together. Let's clear that 160. Because if you clear that 160, um, you're going to have a huge asset there that you could do a lot of different things with. But big, the other thing is you got rid of your most expensive line item in your budget, which is your uh, housing. Okay. Right. And that house is going to continue. To, it's going to continue to go up in uh, up in value, regardless of the problems that San Francisco has. You're going to still see increases in value there. Mm-hmm. And the I want to pay the house off in like three years. Good. That's a that's a good plan. Okay, so you're going to be forty with a paid for house, and then we're just going to load up. You know, we're going to put fifteen percent into retirement, regular retirement, four hundred one k Roth IRAs, and we're going to put the rest of it over into mutual funds. and And if those accounts double every seven years, you're going to be in really great shape at fifty five. They will double okay. every seven years so plus what you put in. I'm sorry. You think I'm on track? Oh, you're definitely on track, and you're doing a great job. Congratulations. You're amazing. Wow. Yeah. Wow. A lot of hustle. And I want people to hear that. Yes, they had the inheritance, which allowed them to do the big down payment, but just the discipline to knock that out and to be sitting on a home worth that much money, I mean, that is a game changer. Yeah. And you can do it on that kind of income. Yeah. But they sacrificed. I mean, they've worked hard. And she's in one of the most expensive real estate markets in the world. Correct. And, um, you know, and took advantage of that, mm-hmm. uh, but didn't overdo it. That's right. Didn't go, oh, it's San Francisco. I have to buy five million. No, you don't. Um, she's in a million and a half, which yeah. is modest. Yeah. What would you say that is? That's modest. 2,200 square no, feet? No, no, not even. No. Not even that big. No. Okay. Well, depends on where it's located. Sure, but, sure. But, but I mean, yeah. it's. Um, yeah, it's not huge. Yeah. This is not a man. <laughs> she's not living in a mansion yeah. and she's a millionaire at 37. Yeah. Let's just keep this in mind. Well done. And I also love that what you asked, we have a lot of new people coming all the time. I love how you qualified why the early retirement. And here's a woman who loves her work. She said, mentally, I can't see myself quitting. But what I heard from that is it gives her options. Mm -hmm. She may not work for that particular company, but the type of work when you Mm -hmm. are 55 
and and able to walk away, it's not that you walk away from work, it's that you may walk into something completely different. And that we're not we're not made to just shut down. Yeah. And just coast. Yep. I thought that was interesting. I love how you framed that as the well, motive. We talked about uh Jade and I talked about it earlier in the week on this show. Um the discussing the fire movement this oh, um, yeah. thing and, and early in my career a lot of people were doing stuff like teaching people to be financially independent and um that's a um that's a scary phrase yep that's a scary phrase i want to retire early and do what right you know that's a scary phrase yeah. okay so uh, in her case, she does. She wants to have the wealth, and so number one, you're never going to. The, the more financial you have, the less independent you are. You're more dependent. Crap. The more stuff you own, the more repairmen you have to know. Okay. Mm. So we dealt with all that the other day on the air, and so, but the retirement thing is the same way. Having the money to retire is one thing, but what you said is perfect. It gives you lots of options. And here's the weird thing: people that don't have to work will get joy from a job that they hate that they might have hated if they had to work really true that's because, absolutely right because you feel stuck that's correct and uh so our our a career field that's right or whatever else and it's like i'm doing this because i want to and therefore i like what yeah. i'm doing and you know it's not drudgery Real quick, for those, uh, the FIRE movement stands for Financially Independent Retire Early. And Dave, the guy who's considered the founder of the movement, I shared this on the Ken Coleman Show about six weeks ago, he's now going back to work. Uh, he thought he had enough, and now he's panicking. Do I have enough to keep staying? And he's like, I actually miss work. So here's a guy who, over, who, who thinks he miscalculated, number one, but then he said, I just miss showing up every day and doing something that I enjoy. So that guy is back in the workforce. Yeah. And, you know, again, work that has meaning where you're where you're lifting someone's life whether you're fixing their transmission or their budget i don't care you're lifting someone's life you're being of assistance to other humans that's work that has meaning it's man's search for meaning victor victor frankel so there you go this is the ramsey show Hey folks, Ken Coleman here. Did you know The Ramsey Show is one of the most popular podcasts in the world? Get your daily dose of advice on life and money. Check out all of our shows from The Ramsey Network wherever you listen to podcasts.